Today's reading starts with Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 39, and chapter 6, verses 30 to 32, and we'll finish with Luke 5, verses 15 to 16. We'll be reading from the New International Version. Please follow along as the text is presented on the screens above. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Good morning, church. I'm Sharon Anderson, one of the pastors on team. Privileged to be able to share God's word with you this morning. As many of you know, Pastor Mark Meredith, our lead pastor, is on sabbatical about halfway through. So we're praying that he has a good time of rest and relaxation. So I've had opportunity in the last couple of weeks to take several trips, and I love going to places. I love vacationing. One of them was vacation. One was work-related. But I don't like so much the air flight getting there. I don't know if it's the same with you. Not so excited about the flight. You may be like me on a plane. You get settled in your seat. You buckle up. You say some polite words to your seatmates. You put in your earbuds, put on your headphones, and try to settle back and get through the flight. We all have this sense we need to get away from all the things that are happening around us to create a space of solitude, a place of quiet, and to be alone with ourselves. And on airplane flights, we're pretty intentional about that practice because we're pressed up against strangers, right? (laughs) I mean, like sometimes really close. And uh, we want to have our own little space so that we can be alone. Well, on one of these recent recent trips, I'd forgotten my earbuds. I was too cheap to buy the ones that the airlines sell you. You Only five bucks, but I thought, I've got plenty of those things at home. And so it was even harder for me to block out the sounds around me. I wasn't able to use noise to cover up noise. Well, we all know what it's like to live in a noisy world, and today we're going to talk about how we can find God in silence and solitude. You may um, relate to this guy right here, the noisy world that we live in, the spaces where traffic, sirens, construction, people shouting, television, things we listen to, radio, podcasts, music, even the over-talkative person in the module next to you at work. The noise keeps coming and coming. And we seek to escape the noise to everyday life by finding our own preferred noise in the seclusion of our homes to fill up the space. So then we go home and we turn on the TV and we put on our music and we listen to our podcasts and the radio's going while we're driving. And I wonder if maybe 
We're just afraid of silence. Afraid of what it might, God might be saying to us. Or afraid to even stop enough to listen. We live in a noise-saturated world. Some of it's really good, but it can be difficult. It can be difficult to hear ourselves, what's going on inside of us, and even more difficult to hear anything from God. And so today we're going to talk about how we find rest and renewal as the noise increases and we seek to find God. We don't know how to be quiet. We don't know how to be just with ourselves and with God. So today is the third in our seven-week series on rhythms, rhythms that invite us into a space of being with God, practices, and this is how we define a spiritual practice. It's intentionally inviting us to encounter God. A practice is simply that, an intentional invitation to encounter God and experience transformation. You can think of rhythms that you see in nature, right? The rhythm of the seasons. How great that we're in summer right now. It's finally come. But we wouldn't want to always have summer. The rhythms of the sun rising and setting. The rhythms of the ocean. Such a soothing sound. The rhythm of our own breath. In and out. In and out. These are rhythms that God has embedded in nature, right? And they they show us something of him. He's a God of rhythms and rest. And like those rhythms, we can create spaces and places to know God more fully and to find rhythms that help us do that. Actually, to experience the kind of life he promised us, abundant life in him. So these rhythms aren't, you know, when we talk about these spiritual practices or uh, intentional invitations, it's not coercion. It's not duty, it's not an obligation, it's an invitation. An invitation to move beyond the noise, to move beyond distractions, and maybe to hear God in a way that you've never heard before. Today I'm going to invite all of us into this place of renewal and rest and around those practices of solitude and silence. And I'm talking a lot, and I, I... recognize that in a sermon on silence and solitude, you have to sit and listen to me talk. So I intentionally prayed at the beginning that the Spirit would invite you into something, and my words would just be used as a tool for that. So first, what we're going to do is take a look at Jesus Christ. I'm going to have him move it, because something's not moving on my screen. (laughs) But... It'll go there real soon. Three things we're going to look at. First, we're going to look at the example of Jesus. How did he, as a human person, the most fully human person, live into that? And then we'll look at some specific definitions and practices around silence and solitude. So let's start with Jesus. You heard the scriptures this morning out of the Gospels. The Gospels are just... um, Accounts from eyewitnesses who walked with Jesus while he lived on earth. And so as we look at these um, texts, we're finding out how did Jesus engage life? What was it like for him to be a human? You may remember that Jesus said these words at one time. He said, the words I say to you, as he was talking to people, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me 
who is doing his work. Now we read that and we think, well, of course, that's Jesus. Of course he's going to speak the words of God. I mean, he's God, but yet as fully human, I wonder if it's possible that we can look at his example and learn ourselves how to be so fully in God that our thoughts become his thoughts, our words become his words. I think too often we think there's some magical ability to this. And so we just gloss over watching the way Jesus lived. But this morning I invite you to look at Jesus, fully human, fully God, and find out how did he walk in that rhythm so that he could say, I'm connected with God and when I speak, I speak his words. So the first one was in Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to read them again, and if you have your Bible or your phone with you, I invite you to open it to, you, to these passages. First of all, Mark 1, we're going to read just a couple of verses there. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went out to a sol- solitary place where he prayed we look at this passage just after, it comes right after Jesus had a very, very busy day of ministry. He had been um, teaching in the synagogue. He went home to Peter's house and found that his mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law was ill and Jesus healed him. And then the word spread and people were coming to, his, to the house where he was. And the scripture says they were pressing in and he healed many of their diseases and cast out demons. It was a busy, busy day. And so what's the next thing that Jesus does in his rhythm? Very early the next morning, he gets up and he goes off by himself and he goes to a solitary place to be alone with his father. And his disciples find him there and they say, come on, there's all these people waiting for you, come and see. And he said very clearly, no, I've been called to another place. I'm going to go and teach in other synagogues. I have a new calling. Silence, solitude with God, reoriented his purpose. He found his center. He found what he was supposed to do as he spent that time with God. And then again in Mark chapter 2, we read something of the same thing. Or excuse me, chapter 6. This is after a time where Jesus had sent his um, disciples out two by two on their very first mission trip. So if you've been on a mission trip, you know the excitement and the joy that comes. And they had gone out on this mission trip and they come back and this is what it says. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Now I have to tell you, if you continue to read Mark chapter 6, you're going to find out it didn't end up that solitary, but Jesus still pursued it. He was calling his disciples. He said, when you serve, when things are busy, when things are pressing into you, you need time away. He recognized their need to get away and refresh themselves, renew themselves by being alone. So he invites them to quiet, to solitude and silence. And maybe these words for you this morning will be an invitation as well coming out of that passage. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. 
and get some rest. The Luke passage just is a general summary of the kind of way Jesus lived his life. It talks how the news about him had spread everywhere. And so people were coming to him and seeking him for some kind of relief from their illness. And yet it says, but Jesus, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke is telling us this was part of Jesus' rhythm. He found solitary places to be with God. Out of the way places where he could be alone in silence with his Father God. Jesus is the model for this kind of rhythm. So when we invite you into spiritual practices, it's inviting you into the way of Jesus. Jesus modeled it perfectly what it was to live a life connected with God and busy in ministry. So now we're going to just take a look at some of these things that God gives us, especially today, silence and solitude. Now, even when I said the words, I thought, oh, some are going to think, this sounds boring or this sounds wonderful. It depends on where you're at in life, right? Silence and solitude might sound like a gift. It might sound like a, oh, I've got to get into this place of quiet. So let's just define it a little bit. You, pro- you know what silence means. It just means staying quiet. Being still, a regenerative practice of attending and listening to God without interruption and noise. It gives us, silence gives us a freedom from speaking as well as listening to other things, other words, music, even reading is listening to words, right? So silence invites us to be free from that for a time. One person said it this way, silence is not to be shunned as empty space. It's to be befriended as a fertile ground for finding out who God is. Silence is a gift that God gives us. And oftentimes within the church, we don't always leave space for silence, do we? We're going to practice a little bit of that at the end of this message. Not a lot. I don't want you falling asleep or anything like that. But you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer understood this too. He says it this way, we are so afraid of silence that we chase ourselves from one event to the next in order to not to have to spend a moment alone with ourselves in order not to have to look at ourselves in the mirror. I think silence is sometimes very scary because we have to pay attention to what's going on inside of us and we don't want to. And so silence becomes a necessary place to quiet the noise around us, to be attentive. And when it's complemented with solitude, we go into this place saying, God, you're enough. You're enough. I'm going to give up my addiction to noise, to activity, to people, to conversation. I'm going to give it up for a time in order to settle into who you are and who you say I am. And to be with God, that is enough. More than enough. So silence, an invitation to be quiet. I will say that sometimes as we're invited into silence, the noisiest thing that goes on is what's going on inside of you. Have you had that when you try to be silent? We're going to practice something later where the voices aren't 
audible, but they're inside of us, and it's hard to quiet them before God. But with practice and with following this rhythm, we will be able to enter into silence and attend to God. So what about solitude? Solitude means a desire, maybe we don't always have this desire, but a desire to leave people behind and enter into time alone with God. Solitude is a place where silence becomes possible. Solitude invites scheduling, yes, it's intentional, scheduling enough uninterrupted time in a place where you can attend to God without distraction. You can experience a sense of isolation where it's just you and God. Solitude can be a scary thing, but what an invitation for the God who loves you and wants to meet you in that place of aloneness. Solitude is sometimes called a container practice. What it means is you've practiced solitude, but you might do some of the other practices that you do. You might pray. You might uh, meditate on scripture. It's a container um, practice, but it also can be in itself a gift just to plan it. Now, I don't know about you, maybe in summertime it's not this way, depends on where you're at in your life, but we often have the delusion that we do not have time in our day to practice solitude. There's so many demands on us, there's so many things to do, and so we delude ourselves to say, ah, I just can't do it. You know, maybe when I'm retired, maybe when I'm. Uh, sick and I don't have anything else to do, we convince ourselves we don't have time to waste in being alone with God. But we have to remember that that kind of solitude with God fuels our faith. Without it, just look at Jesus. Without that time with his Father, would he have known how to speak and how to move? When our kids were little... I used to have to take our oldest daughter to the bus stop and then the younger ones were at home and that was my time for solitude. Of course, when you have little kids at home, how do you plan that? So I would sit in my wingback chair in one room with my Bible and quiet time and in the other room, Mr. Rogers would entertain my children or Sesame Street. I don't know what it is now. What's the... Uh, yeah, it's been a long time ago. My kids are all adults. But it was a chance for me to have solitude and quietness in a place even when they were close by. So it is possible. In fact, there's a story told of Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley um, is, was, uh, grew up in 18th century England. She was the mother of 10 children and actually had lost several children in infancy. And two of her sons you may know of, Charles Wesley, who grew, who grew up to write many, many of the hymns that shape our Christian faith, and John Wesley, who was a preacher and a theologian and helped to launch the whole Methodist movement. So this is her, their mother, Susanna. Susanna was committed to engaging with her children, but it also told, a told, story was told about her that when she needed to be alone with God with all these children around her, she'd take her really long, long apron that went to the floor and she'd lift it up and just put it over her head. <laughs> and she'd be in solitude with God even when things were going on around her. It is possible to intentionally practice solitude to find a place to be with God. Now, typically, we think of being with God or prayer as something where we need to accomplish something. 
We need to have a specific outcome. We pray and then this happens, or we listen to God and then this happens. But sometimes, and I think this is often the case, solitude means simply being. Not doing anything. Not expecting any outcome. Not saying, I want to have this happen, or I want to have clarity about that, but it's openness before God for extended periods of time. It's like the real you coming and sitting maybe with the apron over your head figuratively and sitting before the real God who knows you and loves you and welcomes you into that space. Henry Nouwen, one of the great um, practices of spirituality, Christian spirituality, says it this way. Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and to listen to Him. And no matter what your age is, you can start practicing this now. It can be part of the thing that fuels your life of faith. It's an invitation where Jesus is saying, come away with me. Come away with me. Let's be together. So that's silence and solitude. And just so that we get into the time of practicing it, I'm going to give you a few suggestions. These are only suggestions. You might not know how to start in this practice. How do you start being you know, it's like, but there are some ways we can think about it. And I offer these to you as opportunities wherever you are with God. Maybe you've never thought about even listening to God. You can start with this. He'll meet you right where you're at. So take these as an invitation, but listen to the Holy Spirit and let Jesus be the one who invites you. You might think of it as this way. You're doing something alone with God, but he's on the swing right next to you or he's in the chair right next to you, or he is walking beside you on the path. Imagination gives us a gift of connecting with God in this space. So let me just give you a few of these things. First of all, if you're new to this practice of silence, I encourage you to actually set a timer. Why not try 10 minutes of being silent with God, set your timer, and go into this time of silence. And this is one I practiced off and on, and I did this last week. Just stopping in silence, being still. Maybe you take a couple of breaths just to remind yourself of the rhythm that God's already put into your life. And then just saying to him, here I am. Here I am. And wait. And be with him. And experience whatever you experience. And when distractions come to mind, because they will, you simply let them go. You imagine as if you're on this stream and you're putting them in the boat and the boat is just floating them away. And you come back and you say this again. Here I am, God. Here I am. It's a gift. And after that time, you'll if you set it for 10 minutes, the beeper will go off and you'll think, wow, that was not very long at all. And you thank God for whatever came. It doesn't have to be some great spiritual insight or some great clarity. You've just sat with God or been on the swing next to God in silence. Sometimes silence does need a focus to keep us 
um, connected. And sometimes you could use one verse of scripture, not to study it, but to prompt your heart before God. Perhaps this one from Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then you sit in silence with God and you think about, what does this say to me? How do I delight myself in you, God? What about you is delightful? Hmm. What desires have you put in my heart? What are things that I just haven't even paid attention to that they're bringing to the surface because this time of silence and solitude is here? What is God saying to you about those desires? What is he reminding you about how he loves you? You can ask for that freedom to delight in a God who delights in you right now, right where you are. He loves you. And he wants to have communion with you. Invitations to silence. And solitude walks right with it. Here's one way you might consider an invitation to solitude. Because they're both important together, you need to spend an extended time with God. And that might be, again, setting aside 10, 15 minutes, half a day, a full day as you get into it. You could be engaged in an activity. I like to sit in quietness, but some people can't. They need to move in order to think. So maybe you go for a walk, or maybe you do some gardening, or maybe you um, are in the car. Maybe you're cleaning your house if that's an enjoyable thing for you. Do something activity and intentionally say, God, this time is you and me. Here we go. And you just attend to whatever he says and however he leads you. And if you get off the, off the track, think again of that, putting those distractions in the boat and letting them float away and being present with God. This kind of silence and solitude isn't just about emptying our mind. It's about filling our hearts with God. God who, you know, there's no time where God is not as close to you as he, in, as, as he ever would be. Right now where you're sitting, he's as close to you as he would be in your time of silence and solitude. But when we choose silence and solitude, we're aware of it. We're aware that God is with us. He's beside us and he's inviting us into a place of being loved by him. Now if you decide to practice some of these things, I just give you a bit of a caution. Sometimes times of silence and solitude are very sweet and good and sometimes they're dark and they're hard and you may feel like, God, I don't even know where you are. I feel nothing. Don't give up. Don't give up. God is still there regardless of how you're feeling about it. Stay in that place. Sit in that quiet and let him be with you. God's accepting you. He receives you right where you are. And he will speak as you wait on him. So maybe on your next flight, if you have your earbuds, you might decide to practice a different kind of getting away from the noise. You might decide to say, here I am, God. I'm going to put in my earbuds and the music is going to be very soft and I'm going to attend to you. I'm going to pay attention to what you're saying because I know it is life 
giving. These practices of silence and solitude and all the ones we're talking about are not an end in themselves. We don't have a list in the Christian faith or in our church that says, done that, okay, good, you're good with that. It's an invitation. It's Jesus inviting you to come. It begins with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. Jesus himself, who is the one that says, I will be with you. I will never leave you, forsake you. I'm going to have you turn to the next slide, if you would. Because it ends with Jesus, we want to end here with Jesus' words. In silence and solitude, all we do is show up. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who has already been there, says, welcome. And then he says to us, he says to you, come away with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Your invitation to be with Jesus. I'm going to invite you right now to practice this a little bit. And if you need to look back at the screen to remember the words of Jesus, go ahead and do that. But let's have a time of quiet. Find a posture that is good for you. You may want to sit with your hands open to show that you're open to God. Whatever is comfortable. You may just want to think about the breath that we sang about that is his breath in our lungs that gives us life. And then hear his words. So let's enter a time of quiet. And hear these words from Jesus himself to you. Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Thank you, God, for meeting us right where we are, for loving us right where we are, and for showing us how you delight in being with us. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen.